Support comes from Empower Missouri's Week of Action with in-person and virtual advocacy training for affordable housing, criminal justice, and food security initiatives March 25th through 28th. Registration at empowermissouri.org WOA. From St. Louis Public Radio. This is Politically Speaking. In less than one month, Missouri voters will choose whether or not to legalize the recreational use of marijuana in the state through a new constitutional amendment. Amendment 3, also known as Legal Missouri 2022, would allow those 21 and up to use marijuana beyond medical use. Politically speaking, is delving into this amendment, speaking with both a proponent and an opponent of the measure. On this episode of the podcast, Democratic Representative Ashley Bland-Manlove joins the show to talk about her opposition to Amendment 3, despite the fact that she is in favor of legalizing marijuana for adult use in Missouri. Let's hit the music. This is the Politically Speaking Podcast, the definitive show about Missouri politics. We have to talk about things that matter to people. I've tried to bring that same aggressive iconoclast style with me to uh, the United States Senate. I think my district is a model for the state. We put Missourians first. You just kind of have to find the common ground with people. I believe that this district deserves someone who represents their values. After I came back to St. Louis, I started thinking that I could have a bigger role on the change that I wanted to make. Hello and welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, State House and Politics reporter Sarah Kellogg. Joining me is my co-host. He is the political correspondent for St. Louis Public Radio. Jason Rhodes' mom. And joining us today via Zoom, she is the Democratic State Representative for the 26th District, which covers part of Kansas City. State Representative Ashley Bland, man love. Welcome back to the show, Representative. Before we get started, we'd love for you to just remind our listeners about you and the district that you represent. Oh, sure. Hey, guys. Uh, like I said, Rep. Bland, man love here, hailing from the best side of the state, the west side, Kansas City, um, home of the Kansas City Chiefs, um, Super Bowl winning team. Um, but I actually uh, represent um, the 26th district, which Right now is Cleaver 2 to 99th, Homes to Prospect, if that means anything for you guys over there. But my district has drastically changed, and it will now be um, Gregory to 99th, Homes to Cerner. People around here know what that means. <laughs> also, just as a note for our listeners, there is some kind of construction happening above me at the Capitol. So if you hear any banging while I'm talking, that is why. And then also this podcast is going to deviate a little bit from what we typically have a representative on, which is we talk about kind of a diff- bunch of different topics. But this time we're going to focus on Amendment 3, which is uh, centered around the issue of adult use marijuana. So let's kind of get started with that. Uh, my first question for you, Representative Land Love, is why are you opposed? to Amendment 3? Okay, well, first let me clarify. I am um, not opposed to uh, the cannabis industry, nor am I opposed to uh, the initiative petition process, which we always have to keep an eye on here in the state of Missouri. Um, <clears throat> but I'm opposed to this specific petition, and, and also let me say it's a petition, not legislation. This is a petition. So um, I'm specifically against this petition um, because, you know, the people who were um, most affected by the war on drugs appear to be an afterthought um, in this uh, petition. It's kind of like, um, yeah, we don't really, we get out, they they dangle this sweetheart deal of, oh, you'll get out of jail. 
But then what? There's no repair in this bill. There's no equity in this bill um, or any of the things that we're actually looking for in um, the social justice, you know, cannabis reform um, platform. There has been an argument that the legislature should have passed something as opposed to having an initiative petition, but they didn't. Isn't this amendment a natural consequence of legislative inaction? Oh, definitely. Um, myself, uh, I, spon- I co-sponsored the Cannabis Freedom Act, which was sponsored by Republican Representative Ron Hicks out of the St. Charles area, something you should not hear happening. And <clears throat> the legislature um, was unfortunately influenced by a certain lobbyist named Tom Robbins, who works for a certain company, Mocan Trade, who's pushing a certain initiative, Legal Mo 2022. And uh, so we had, you know, basically ideas from the the speaker actually saying he wanted this to go through um, and there were roadblocks all along the way. And that happens a lot um, in our legislature because our legislator votes to vote quote unquote dry um, um, as we're, you know, a Southern state and Republican held. So they want to have their quote unquote moral standards. Um, So even bingo is in our constitution because of um, our legislator being, um, our legislator not doing what they needed to do. So I understand that this is a natural consequence, but that still doesn't mean it's right. <laughs> and that still doesn't mean that I support it. <laughs> One of the criticisms of Amendment 3 is that people with marijuana convictions need to petition for expungement. Couldn't that problem be solved if a governor, you know, pardon people with marijuana related convictions? It would, but then there would still be, you know, on the books, There, it wouldn't change anything on the books. It wouldn't change the criminal statute. It would just, you know, kind of be uh, everybody who's already been through that problem. And then a lot of the times, um, <clears throat> you know, again, there's no repair uh, for that uh, for that time in jail that was unnecessary because it was actually a nonviolent crime or or whatever that was. So, yes, the governor could act upon it, but then that wouldn't stop everything that's going on. And um, and the problem with putting this in our constitution is that the legislator cannot go back and fix it. Um, everybody keeps saying, oh, yeah, well, let's pass this. I know it's wrong, but um, we can go back and fix it. Uh, not unless you have a multi-million dollar campaign um, that can, again, sway the vote. That cannot be changed in the legislature. I have lots of follow-ups. The first one being, yeah, this conversation on pardoning for marijuana offenses recently has come back into the spotlight after President Biden recently said he would be pardoning federal marijuana offenses. So there has been a call, including from Missouri Representative Cori Bush, for governors to do the same with state offenses. I mean, when do you even think this is the realm of possibility with Governor Parson or other governors of Missouri? You know, it's been a fight. Um, it's been a fight with criminal justice and um, our current governor and legislature. Um, we've kind of had to, you know, kind of tooth and nail it um, to get them to make moves. So I don't know if that's necessarily um, <clears throat> an option uh, for us. Um, hence why this just needs to be passed on a, on a federal level. Um, but we need to find out what system we're going to use here in Missouri that's going to make sure our mom and pops uh, stores uh, and grows um, get the same advantages as, uh, you know, multi-states and um, these corporate investors. Yeah. And even if, you know, the legislature were to look at state offenses, you know, how does Amendment 3 complicate those conversations? Well, <clears throat> um, 
Amendment 3 kind of picks and chooses who gets expunged and who doesn't um, automatically, as they keep saying. So if you're out and you've served your time already, um, there is a timeline um, for your record to be expunged. If you are on probation or parole, you finish your time and then it can be expunged. But if you're in, um, if you're serving right now, um, you have to you know, still appeal to the court. And it's based off of judicial discretion, which we know does not work out for poor and melanated peoples. Uh, so really, and then again, it only clears the marijuana charge. So most marijuana charges come with a paraphernalia charge, ACA charge, a DUI, something like that. That's also a hindrance to you uh, moving forward in your life. And and if, you know, the Missouri legislature all of a sudden, you know, pat, you know, gets the kind of motivation in order to like this year we're going to pass marijuana policy would there be greater workarounds and restrictions that you would have to face with amendment three you know if it were to pass when passing legislation oh definitely because um well amendment three is in the constitution so any 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 legislation would be null and void because it would then go up against the constitution which takes rank um and what is not included in amendment three is any banking provisions saying that if banking goes federal, you know, as there was in the Cannabis Act where it said, we'll allow state banks to um, to handle um, cannabis um, in, in interactions or transactions. Um, so there is, and there's still the equity, the, the issue of equity and banking and just even melanated and poor people having access to, to the capital to start the business let alone where are they supposed to put those funds. So none of that is addressed in this cannabis, in this um, petition, nor is interstate commerce. Um, it says interstate commerce will stay the same, uh, which is none. Uh, so that could be a huge hindrance um, if this is passed on a legal, on a federal level, and we're stuck with these um, binding prohibitions in our constitution. So an argument I've heard against Amendment 3 is that current license holders will have an advantage if Amendment 3 passes. I actually explained that to somebody and they were like, so what? I'm still going to be able to get marijuana. Why would mm -hmm. I care how the system is structured? What would you well, say you know, to that person? That that speaks to kind of the main, the mindset that's going on um, in the world right now. There's a lot of like, I'll say selfishness, um, people are so much in survival mode that they're not able to think uh, forwardly and generationally. Um, and it is our responsibility to take the thing about the generations that come after us. Uh, so you might, yeah, you might still have access to it, but even if you have access to it, it'll be a higher price um, because it's not an open market. And basically those, the current um, license holders will have an advantage because in this petition, you can have a uh, medical license and we'll call it adult use. You can have adult use licenses as well. So if your medical use license and applications stood the test of DOJ investigations, FBI investigations, Supreme Court decisions about the licenses and the medical program, you just copy and paste that and you're good to go for the adult use program. And that's not fair. Kind of along those same lines, like, what would you say to people who are like, yeah, this is not a perfect petition by any means, but we're not going to get another chance to legalize marijuana anytime soon? Why wouldn't we? This was just, um, you know, this is a group of people who decided to put their money together 
and uh, throw uh, and make a campaign. And that's how all campaigns are formed. So I know I will be working diligently, not only to stop Amendment 3, but then to work on the backside for the next election cycle or two, probably two, because it does cost a lot of money starting at zero, um, working hard nationally to uh, campaign to get us the initiative petition that we do deserve, which would theoretically just be taking the Cannabis Freedom Act and taking out that um, anti-trans language that um, Representative Nick Schroer put in there. And um, there are some other uh, provisions that were discussed um, by myself, Representative Wiley Price and Representative Ron Hicks that actually didn't make it in because of timing and things like that. So putting that to its full potential and putting that on the ballot so people can see what you know, groundbreaking uh, um, led policy from um, the initiative petition um, stand flat platform looks like and, and what we could really be doing nationally. Another criticism is that people could still be fined if they're caught smoking marijuana in public. Why is that aspect of the law problematic or of the of the petition? So that is perfect. OK, so in the original. So everybody knows that this is Amendment 13. So this is just a medical amendment expanded to now include a medical program and an adult use program. So the medical program said you cannot consume in public spaces that are not designated for consumption. So that was already out there. You can't smoke in public. But because of the prosecutors that we have um, in our major, major metropolitan areas, um, they said that that wouldn't necessarily be a priority, especially while gun violence and stuff is so high. So they were going to focus on that and not on the cannabis, which was great. But now that in this second version, a civil fine of $100 has been added um, to if you have a medical card or if you're using it or if it's on the adult use side, um, that then incentivizes uh, law enforcement to act um, where they weren't before. And um, typically, um, just from you know observations in my life, when people are um, consuming cannabis, it's normally a group. There's normally other things going on. Um, so that can lead to escalations. Um, that we didn't know, um, you know, happening. And, you know, you guys have Michael Brown over there, the, the, the start of the, you know, Black Lives Matter movement that came from a police um, interaction, a simple police interaction. So not only am I concerned for that, but it's also a huge waste of law enforcement, um, like time, like it's a huge waste of money uh, to have law enforcement tracking people down or pulling people over. And it can also become a cash cow. You know, we've been fighting against, um, red light tickets and, you know, um, all throughout the municipalities being used as a cash cow. And I don't want this to become the new cash cow either. There's also some criticism on how there's a limit to the amount of marijuana that someone can possess under this amendment. Isn't that being done to prevent people from selling it outside of the regulated system or kind of, you know, if you want to talk about that? Uh, sure, I guess that might be why, but I wouldn't necessarily, it doesn't make financial sense to go buy out of a dispensary and then go sell that on the black market. You're not, or on the illicit market. You're not gonna make up a, a revenue off of that. Um, the way to stop the illicit market is by putting regulations in on the grower side, like, um, and testing in on the grower side, um, seed to sale, you know, tracking systems like that. That's the way to stop the illicit market, which is what did not happen in Oklahoma 
um, and why they're so um, riddled with um, illicit uh, cannabis mixed in with their adult use cannabis. So, um, you know, and I don't really know what those markers are for, but I know that um, putting those limits in has created, um, they also put, you know, more penal um, like uh, civil fines and, and, and there's actually misdemeanors. So this petition actually only legalizes. It does not decriminalize. And that's the whole thing that, you know, everybody in this cannabis movement, especially from a social justice aspect, equity aspect have been talking about. Throughout this conversation, you've argued that Amendment 3 doesn't do enough to solve racial disparities in, in the marijuana industry. So I would like you to talk about what policies you would support that would close some of those gaps that you were alluding to. Sure. So all throughout American history, every time certain demographics have been given a leg up, uh, the GI Bill, uh, the Homestead Act, um, those demographics were given funds up front. It wasn't on the back end. So like in the Cannabis Freedom Act, we said minority-owned businesses and woman-owned businesses could get a loan from the application fees at the front part so they could get up and running and be with the pack and not be behind the pack. Um, instead, uh, the legal mode decided their equity was going to be giving you a kid's meal called a micro license and telling you to live and survive off that and then telling you that you wouldn't be able to give up uh, or you wouldn't be able to upgrade to the full size license until somebody else gives away theirs, actually until two people give away theirs. Um, and you have a cap on growing that only gives you $200,000 worth of revenue. That's not enough to grow uh, a business. Um, and you have to wait 500 days until after everybody else has gotten their license. And then you have to wait again for a micro grower to harvest because the micro businesses can only interact with other micro businesses. So they have to wait for the micro grower to come up so the micro dispensary can have product on the shelf. Um, nor can the micro business have several types of licenses where the big licenses can have a grower, a manufacturer, and a dispensary, and the transportation, the micro licenses only get one of those. Uh, so there's no vertical movement. There's no room for growth. Um, additionally, in the Cannabis Freedom Act, we put there, as I said, there's no repair in this, in this initiative petition. So in the Cannabis Freedom Act, we said, hey, if you um, are getting out off cannabis charges, you can go into um, a halfway house situation where we'll teach you botany and we'll teach you the things that you need to know in the marijuana industry um, so that you can get into it. But, you know, use your powers for good and, and we can all have this tax revenue that comes off of it. There is nothing like that. And actually, the initiative petition says it will put you back where you were as if the charge never happened. Well, where I was in the beginning was a place that made me create a, commit a crime. So that was, that's not a great place to put me back. And also I've been in jail for 10 years or I've been fighting with this for 10 years. So you can't repair that because there's not a great education system 
um, within, you know, our municipalities, and it's just now becoming open within our state. So there's no repair, and, and that's what it should look like versus what it does look like. Now, you mentioned the realities of putting this in the Constitution, that if this passes, the legislature cannot just pass a law in statute and fix some of the things that you feel are problematic. But is it possible if Amendment 3 passes and the legislature finds things that they can improve in it, couldn't they put a constitutional change on the ballot in 2024? Yes, um, as yes, uh, there is a, a House joint resolution that can go uh, on the ballot later on. But since there's very little continuity um, between um, and the legislature uh, on this topic, I don't see one of those being able to necessarily pass. Um, so yes, the legislature can try to change it. But as you saw, you know, with the medical program, they, we tried to have hearings with the Department of Health and um, with Department of Health about uh, the licenses, about the application process. And um, all of those uh, were were met with deaf ears or were set, or were turned around legally saying that's not what the Constitution says, so we can't do we can't make that change. Uh, so so it's it's a concern. We need to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. If you have a smart speaker, you have access to the entire world of NPR and St. Louis Public Radio. All the latest news and all the captivating stories. Activate our voices with yours by telling your smart speaker to play St. Louis Public Radio. And we're back on Politically Speaking. I'm Sarah Kellogg. Joining me is my co-host, St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum. And our guest today is Democratic Representative Ashley Bland-Manlove, who represents the 26th District, which covers part of Kansas City. Let's get back into it. We're talking about Amendment 3, which will be on the ballot in November. If you had the opportunity to craft a legal marijuana system in the way that you see fit, what would it look like? Oh, um... A big ask, I know. <laughs> no, um, it would be um, across the board, automatic expungements paid for to include cannabis and paraphernalia charges. Um, I, I don't, again, I don't want to let people out who are violent criminals. So I, I wouldn't let gun charges out. You'd have to do your time or whatever that looks like. But basically anybody else, that that part is gone. Um, it would have programs that would either help those who are economically disadvantaged and, and help them on the front end with some type of loan. Um, you know, basically the Cannabis Freedom Act, that, that's that's what it would look like. Um, there would be, and in the Cannabis Freedom Act, I actually created a DBE, Disadvantaged um, Business Enterprise um, designation. So we have you know, veteran-owned businesses, minority-owned businesses, women-owned businesses. Well, the other one is um, economic disadvantaged businesses. So uh, I created one of those kind of programs, you know, so making sure that, you know, everybody gets a crack at this, you know, American dream uh, that we're talking about with boots and straps included. Um, and, you know, just, yeah, it, it basically be the Cannabis Freedom Act with all of our ideas uh, together. So, it would look like an increase in workforce development. It would look like repair um, for those who have been harmed by the war on drugs. 
And it will look like generational wealth for those who have historically been left out of all of the industries that have boomed and and grown uh, within the U.S. at least. What would you think would be some of the benefits of having a, a system where licenses are not substantially limited? The benefit to no quote unquote caps on is that it's the free market. You know, um, Republicans like to talk economics a lot and they always say, well, it's a free and fair market. Uh, Well, it's not a free and fair market. Not everybody can get into it and not everybody has access to it. That's the free part. (laughs) And um, so that changes quality standards and makes them be higher. That changes um, price points and makes them be lower. Um, And uh, normally opens itself to a more diverse pool of people to um, get that product from also. So um, it's it's actually a win-win-win. And if I can hop back on that question, what would my legislation look like? The revenue would go to either schools or roads. Um, You know, one of these lists that Missouri is, you know, bottom one or two on. Uh, It would go to that where this one, it's a slush fund that goes, that's under the name of veterans and a bit of expungement and a bit of admin fees. And then public defenders are a last thought, but a lot of that still has to be appropriated through legislature. So we don't even know if that money will actually go where it's supposed to go. So I was recently in Oregon, and one of the things I noticed, because I was on the Oregon coast, I was not in Portland. So this was like rural Oregon. There was like a marijuana dispensary literally on every corner. And I'm going to just assume, and I'm not an expert on Oregon marijuana, but the system is a lot less tightly regulated. And some would say that's a good thing because that would promote competition more opportunities for people to get into the industry. But I could also see a downside that if you flood the market, especially with dispensaries, that it's going to cause people that put up all of this money to get into this industry to to go out of business because there's just too much. The, the market's oversaturated. What would well, be that's your- what capitalism is. It allows the market to self-correct. So, yeah, it, it comes out all flooded and then only, you know, only the strongest survive. Uh, so those would be the people with the best quality and and the lowest price. And um, so that that's that's a that's a risk that happens in business, period. Whatever investment uh, you make, there's always the risk that it won't work. Um, so if you are concerned about that, you're not a good investor and you should try <laughs> uh, some other uh, area. But um, that that is, uh, you know, sometimes what happens and 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 you can see that in Denver too. There, uh, uh, from my observation, there's like a dispensary on every corner. But I think that comes when the market regulates out, and so a lot of those will end up closing. And then if you have you know really strict guidelines around your product, which we try to put into the Cannabis Freedom Act, um, that gets a lot of those weaker players out of there as well. So some of those start to close after a little while. Do you think that Missourians are ready to legalize marijuana for adult use? I think they are. Um, um, and my concern has, hasn't has really been if this um, initiative petition was going to pass or not. It was just letting people know what was in it. 
um, because when you have a, a a broad title that says legal mo 2022 and your symbol is a cannabis flower that just that that's a that's a great messaging point they did they did really good on that um and so it's just gonna it, it makes everybody think okay this is gonna work and we're gonna have cannabis and it's gonna be for everybody let's go um and that's not actually the case and that's um it's a little deceiving so uh i i have always been actually kind of confident that it was going to pass based off of that um and and then that's why i started f making so much noise because i was like we're going to put these um prohibitions into our constitution and i don't think that's actually what people want to do how has kind of that effort been on kind of raising awareness about the problems with this amendment I think it's gone surprisingly well, actually. Um, there's been a lot of news coverage on both sides of the state and um, even down in the Springfield area, I've seen an article or two. So um, there's been a lot of coverage about this. I just wish um, everybody would get this excited about the midterms, you know? Uh, <laughs> and when it's not a wedge issue like, uh, you know, cannabis or abortion or something like that. What would you say to someone who feels like marijuana is a dangerous drug that should remain illegal? You know, how many people just died off of the opioid epidemic? So everything is about um, moderation. And, um, you know, how many people have died from liver disease from drinking? Uh, so everything has its downside, um, whether it's, you know, given to you by the doctor or something that's already um, established as legal. Uh, so that that's on the person. There are a lot of health benefits believe it or not, uh, you know, and a lot of these studies say, oh, you know, uh, cannabis can interact with schizophrenia, uh, and it can, and and so can Tylenol, you know? Uh, so there's, there's a lot of people are scared because it's something new. And, um, you know, health issues and crime issues come with all kinds of industries. Um, and it's us. It's it's up to us to be responsible adults. This is why this is for 21 and over. You know, it's, it's up to us adults to make those proper decisions for ourselves. And I really don't like um, other people telling me what to do with my body. <laughs> you know, unless it's a real public health thing that can kill millions of people. <laughs> You mentioned that State Representative Ron Hicks, a Republican from St. Charles County, who, who, by the way, Sarah did an entire podcast with him about the legislation that the representative is talking about, uh, you know, spearheading the the drive to, to legalize adult use marijuana in the legislature. And that it brings up another thing that comes to mind. Like, I've been covering Missouri politics for 16 years. If you would have asked me 16 years ago that there's going to be widespread support among Republicans to legalize marijuana for adult use, I would have said, you're crazy. Like the, the the attitudes on this issue have changed dramatically. And I'd be interested to hear your take on why things have changed so much. Well, I don't think that things have changed so much. I, um, as we were not able to get a hearing um, or get it brought up on the floor and we had to grind through the hearings, I didn't even think it would get a hearing. And then it got a hearing. Uh, so um, I think that personally, Repub like just everybody's kind of thoughts and have changed, whether that's to the good or bad about cannabis. Um, but 
outside, you know, or what that looks like on a on a vote, on a roll call vote is a very different thing. Um, so that's why the Republican had a hard time getting his bill um, through the all Republican legislature. Um, so it, it, but attitudes are changing and it, it, and it, it appears to be a generational divide. Um, there are still those who grew up, you know, wacky tobacco causes schizophrenia and you just, you, you kind of can't break that because that's what's ingrained into them, uh, you know, kind of like, never mind, I won't say that. Um, but so you you can't break them of that. So, um, you know, as as these next couple of classes come into the legislature, um, I think we might then start seeing some shifts. My final question for you is, let's just say either Amendment 3 passes or it fails, but something that you want ends up passing in two years. Do yeah. you think that's going to spark discussion about legalizing other drugs, which are currently illegal, but may not be illegal in four to six years? Well, you know, um, the beautiful thing about science is that it keeps going and we keep improving and we keep learning. So, you know, um, I would hope that it would have positive effects on any policies that we saw were regressive and we now want to make progressive. Um, so, you know, it, it proves that you are you will have to fight and it, it can take time, but you know, with some diligence uh, and some good science, uh, things can come forward. I'm assuming you're talking about like psilocybin and other things that have been yeah, uh, legalized uh, in um, on on our coasts. Um, the Economist is 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 actually just wrote out uh, the Economist, which is a which is a news, I think a, a magazine, just yeah. put out an editorial that cocaine should be legalized. You know, I don't think we're at that point yet, but we're. I I it, I wouldn't be surprised if there may be a broader push to le make like completely decriminalize drugs for various reasons, but. Right. And, 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 you know, I don't know about, um, you know, cocaine specifically, um, I don't outside of an energy drink, you know, I don't see uh, what other kind of health benefits come from that, where um, with your mushrooms and your psilocybins, um, there has been other forms of relief and anxiety and, um, you know, actually helping with some mental disorders, um, kind of restructuring the brain. Um <clears throat> So uh, uh, I, I I don't know what it'll do for that, but I, I hope that it does give people the, the blueprint to see that we can think that something was a great idea and then change our minds um, based on science and history and social justice and um, those things that really matter um, to the human race, not just capitalism. Well, thank you so much, Representative, for joining us on the podcast to talk about this topic. Politically Speaking is a product of St. Louis Public Radio, which is a part of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. You can find all of our work at stlpr.org. You can follow me on Twitter at Sarah K. Kellogg. Jason, where can people find you on Twitter? Jay Rosenbaum. And Representative, where can people find you on the Internet where you want to be found? 
Um, I'm actually more on Facebook. Sorry, guys. Uh, it's Representative uh, Ashley Bland Man Love, the whole thing. It's a lot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No worries. Or you could just like Google me and, and most of my pages are Man Love for Missouri on the other social medias. All right. Sounds great. Until next time. So long.